0: turning your Bibles this morning to Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs chapter 24. It is my unpleasant duty to remind you that um, next Saturday night you have to set your clocks up one hour. So you will lose an hour of sleep so keep that in mind something we'd like to forget but we're stuck proverbs 24 we want to read verse 11 if thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain If thou sayest, Behold, we knew it not, doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth not he know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works? Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we pray that you would help us as we Ponder the implications of this verse today, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. On Tuesday of this past week, Mr. Creech and I went to a meeting in Raleigh at the legislature. The meeting was arranged by Representative Neil Jackson, who represents um, District 78, which includes part of Moore County. And Pastor Tim Cruz of Awake America. But I would say that the one who got the pastors of this state there, there were probably 75 pastors there. This this large room, it's it's called an auditorium, was full of people. And the one who got that number of pastors there, I believe, is Dr. Ron Beatty in Return America. The purpose of the meeting was to bring together state legislatures and pastors for the purpose of giving pastors an opportunity to influence these legislators as deliberations begin to bring forth an abortion bill in this state. The timing of this meeting was excellent. Because according to the Associated Press, on Tuesday afternoon, House Republicans met privately to discuss where they stand on additional abortion restrictions. That was after our meeting. So the meeting was well placed. There were 11 House members who came and spoke. Ten Republicans which for whatever reason did not include Representative Ben Moss, who represents the greatest portion of Moore County. Uh, So there were ten Republicans and one Democrat, and that one lone Democrat, I'm happy to say, was Hope County Representative Pastor Garland Pierce one of the 10 republicans was house speaker tim moore he was able to get there and be the last speaker each man came and spoke and left to be we, we of course they have other committee meetings and obligations that they uh, had and so they were not all in the room at one time each man spoke and after each man spoke there was special prayer for that man, for that legislator. And that was done to let these folks know that we understand the pressure that they're going to be under. We saw that pressure firsthand right here in Moore County when the county commissioners tried to pass a non-binding, non-binding resolution that stated that Moore County was going to be a pro-life sanctuary. And the pressure was such that there was not even a vote. Four of the five members voted to table the resolution. So how much greater will these men and uh, women, how much greater will the pressure be when they're making decisions and they're putting forth legislation that will have the force of law behind it. And so this meeting was important, but it lacked one important thing. Not one pastor had an opportunity to speak in the meeting. Not one pastor had an opportunity to influence a single legislator before they met Tuesday afternoon. Neither Dr. Ron Beatty nor Pastor Cruz even had the opportunity to ask each legislator where they stood as they came. Are they for no abortions? Are they for a heartbeat bill? Do they want to change the law from 20 weeks to 13 weeks? What exactly do they support? We don't know. My personal opinion, and I I underline that, that this, the way the meeting was conducted was not completely by accident. I suspect there was some level of design on it. But listening to those who did speak about abortion, we learned some things. One representative, told that reduced abortions in this state will mean more babies available for adoption. And he said that right now adopting an infant takes five years and fifty thousand dollars. That needs to change. He says he said adoption needs to be free. And he's exactly right. Of course the lawyers of this state And their lobby will fight that, but the case and the fight need to be made. Another representative pointed out, Ms. Pond sent me an article from the New York Times, that North Carolina has become an abortion destination state for women. There are states around us that have more... uh, stricter abortion laws, and so North Carolina has become a, a destination state for those women. Some representatives didn't really address the abortion issue directly. But of those who did, from one, we got the tired old political adage about the loaf of bread... And that we can't get the whole loaf and so we should be thankful for getting part of the loaf. Another spoke of not having the votes. Speaker Moore in his remarks said that he personally favors a heartbeat bill. But he'd have to see what the Republican caucus favors. And we'll talk about The two options that are being discussed in just a minute. But one member who spoke, I believe, put his finger directly on the problem. He said that there were many who were afraid. Now, that was not a reference to the Democrats. They're not afraid, they're not afraid to put forth their ideas. They're not afraid to say that they are for abortion right up to the moment of birth. And if a baby does somehow survive an abortion, then they're for letting that child die. Now, this representative was referring to his fellow Republicans who are afraid of this issue. And the reason they're afraid is because for nearly 50 years, Many of them have been able to profess that they were pro life with little fear of having to prove it. And the shield under which they hid, ironically enough, was the very ruling that they professed to oppose Roe versus Wade. But now their political cover is gone, and they're out in the light. And now they're going to have to vote now their vote will matter. That's why they're afraid. But I want to go back. I mentioned this article from the Associated Press. I want to just mention something from it. It says, Most of the public discussion among Republicans has been centered around two options. One would prohibit abortions after the first trimester, 12 or 13 weeks with new exceptions for rape and incest. Another would ban them once an ultrasound first detects fetal cardiac activity. That is typically about six weeks after fertilization. Those are the ranges that we're actively discussing right now, Speaker Moore said in a brief interview on the way to the caucus meeting, adding that there's a consensus to do something. Moore has said he personally supports the six-week prohibition, and we heard him. He said that to us in the meeting. While Senate Leader Phil Berger, a Rockingham County Republican, has said he backs a first trimester limit. On Wednesday, Dr. Ron Beatty made this observation. He said, in moving toward a bill to protect the unborn. There's not a lot being said from a spiritual point of view. After all, God is the giver of all life, and we should express His viewpoint. Again, that viewpoint that could have been expressed by pastors who came prepared to speak. You you could see them. They had a folder. They had notes. It was excluded from the meeting on Tuesday. But we don't have to exclude it. God says that life begins at conception. Genesis 2 and verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. At that very moment, the very moment that God formed Adam, at the very moment He conceived Adam, if you will, at that moment... The moment of conception, God breathed into His nostrils the breath of life, and He became a living soul. And because God is not a respecter of persons, what is true of Adam is true of every child. Psalm 139 and verse 16 says, Thine eyes did see My substance, yet being unperfect, and in Thy book all My members were written, which in continuance were fashioned. We've talked many times that that word fashioned is the exact same word as the word formed in Genesis 2 and verse 7. And so God fashions, God forms every child in the womb just as He formed Adam. And at the moment of conception, God breathes into every child's nostrils the breath of life. And that child becomes a living soul. That's God's word. And so let's start there and say that we're going to ban all abortions, period. Why can't the Republicans start there? Why can't they express God's thoughts? And they're certainly not our thoughts, but they're the thoughts of the giver of life. And this is where we need to stand. We won't be popular. But it's where we need to stand. But what about rape? What about incest? What about life of the mother? We've talked about these things before. Pregnancies from rape are all but non-existent. Pastor Kelly wrote a book, Abortion, the American Holocaust. And if you don't have a copy of this book, we'll be glad to give you one. It's a tremendous book. And it was written in 1981, but it's still right up to date. Listen to just a couple of things from the book concerning rape. This was written by Indications for Induced Abortion, F.D. Mecklenburg, M.D., New York, 1972. Although frequently cited by pro-abortionists, Pregnancies resulting from rape are so rare as to be virtually non-existent. And I would just inject there that a study of 2.4 million abortions in this country, in six states, from 1996 to 2020, shows that abortions for rape or incest, it's both, are 0.39%. Abortions for both are less than one-half of 1%. Although frequently cited by pro-abortionist pregnancies resulting from rape are so rare as to be virtually non-existent. There are several contributing factors to this. In addition to the pure mathematical odds against pregnancy resulting from a single random act, Medical research indicates that an extremely high percentage of women exposed to severe emotional trauma will not ovulate. The rape itself, therefore, acts as a psychological birth control. J. Kuchera, Journal of the American Medical Association, October 25, 1971, a scientific study Of 1,000 cases of rape treated medically right after the rape resulted in zero cases of pregnancy. The rarity of pregnancies from rape is confirmed here in the Word of God. In 2 Samuel chapter 13, we have the account of the rape of Tamar by Amnon. And of all the conceptions that are recorded in the Bible, the one rape that is recorded did not result in the conception of a child. Pregnancies resulting from rape are so rare as to be virtually non-existent. What about incest? Well, again, as we mentioned a moment ago, the 2.4 million abortions from six states from 1996 to 2020, rape and incest together made up 0.39%. So pregnancies from incest are equally rare. But if an act of incest results in a pregnancy, is that a reason for an abortion? Not according to God, the giver of life. In Genesis 19, we read about the incest that was committed between Lot and his daughters these acts of incest resulted in both girls being with child. And both of Lot's daughters bore sons. And we read in Genesis 19 verses 37 and 38 that the son of Lot's oldest daughter was the father of the Moabites, and the son of Lot's younger daughter became the father of the children of Ammon. And if you read through the Old Testament... What you find is that the Moabites and the Ammonites were the arch enemies of Israel, the people of God. Brother Jed, in his excellent sermon Wednesday night, if you weren't able to be here, I would encourage you to go on sermon audio and listen to that message. But he mentioned Solomon and how his heart was turned away from the Lord. And he read from 1 Kings 11 and verse 7. Listen very carefully. Then did Solomon build an high place for Chemosh the abomination of Moab in the hill that is before Jerusalem. And for Molech the abomination of the children of Ammon. And so here we are 900 years after the birth of these boys who are the product of the incest between Lot and his daughters and they are plaguing the people of God to the point that the idolatry of Solomon with Chemosh and Molech is one of the reasons that we find the division between uh, Israel, between the northern ten tribes and the southern two tribes. And eventually, it leads to the captivity of the northern tribes by the Assyrians and the southern two tribes by the Babylonians. And the Lord knew this. He knew it from the moment that these children were conceived. From the moment that He breathed into their nostrils the breath of life and they became living souls, but He did not abort them. Incest is not a reason for abortion. What about the life of the mother? Of all the births that are recorded in the Bible... Only one involved the life of the mother. That means that pregnancies that threaten the life of the mother are very rare. The one case is Rachel in Genesis chapter 35. If you'll turn back there, Genesis chapter 35 And we read in verse 16 that Rachel travailed and she had hard labor. Rachel was coming down to the end of a difficult pregnancy. And she was in the midst of a difficult delivery. And Genesis 35, 17 says, And it came to pass when she was in hard labor. That word hard means severe. And the Spirit of God uses these words, hard labor, twice once in verse 16 and once in verse 17, to tell us just how severe this labor was. It was life-threatening as we see in verse 18. And it came to pass as her soul was in departing, for she died. But notice that at no time did this midwife suggest an abortion to save the life of Rachel. She was delivering this baby and had delivered him enough, perhaps the baby was breached, maybe that was the, the hard labor. She had brought this child out enough to know it was a son. I believe that this midwife was doing everything that she could with the medical knowledge that she had in 1730 B.C. to save both mother and child. And that was her limitation, her medical knowledge. But again, the idea of an abortion is never mentioned here. Now let's fast forward 3,700 years from the medical knowledge of Genesis 35 to the medical knowledge of today. Again, from Kent's book and... As I read it, remember we're 42 years farther along with medical knowledge. Dr. Joseph P. Donnelly was former medical director of Margaret Haig Hospital in New Jersey. From 1947 to 1961, there were 115,000 deliveries at his maternity hospital with no abortions. Dr. Donnelly says abortion is never necessary to save the life of the mother. Dr. Roy Roy S. Heffernan of Tufts University, speaking to the Congress of the American College of Surgeons, said anyone who performs a therapeutic abortion is either ignorant of modern methods of treating the complications of pregnancy or is unwilling to take the time to use them. Dr. John L. Grady, former chief of staff at Glades General Hospital in Florida, and author of the book, Abortion, Yes or No? He said thousands of physicians across the United States, each of whom has cared for hundreds of mothers and infants during their respective years of practice, state firmly that they have never in these thousands of pregnancies seen a single instance where the life of the infant had to be sacrificed to save the mother, nor have they seen a situation where a mother has been lost for failure of the physician to perform an abortion. In fact, in more than 13 years of obstetrical practice, I never lost a mother from any cause. Moreover, during that time, at the public hospital where I was a staff member, there were thousands of babies delivered, and to my knowledge, not a single therapeutic abortion. Thus, with today's advanced medical knowledge and practice, A therapeutic abortion is never necessary because competent physicians using the latest medical and surgical techniques can preserve the lives of both the mother and the child. And Kent adds, the save the wife syndrome, like every other argument of the abortionists, is based on a false premise to generate sentiment in favor of the murder of the unborn. Folks, this is what God, the giver of all life, shows us in His Word concerning rape and incest and life of the mother. And what He shows us in His Word is proved in the real world. So this is where the Republicans need to start. Zero abortions. There were 30,000 abortions in North Carolina in 2020. Zero abortions would save all 30,000 of those lives. That is the whole loaf of bread. But the Republicans are afraid to do that without these exceptions. Okay. So 1.14% of abortions are done to save the physical life of the mother. The physical life of the mother. We aren't talking about the mental life of the mother. We are talking about not being ready for another child or, or can't afford a baby right now or have completed my childbearing or don't feel mature enough to raise another child or a baby would interfere with my education or, or um, my plans, my career plans. By the way, these are all reasons that have been put forth for having uh, the, the mental health of the mother. So we're not talking about the mental health we're talking about the physical health of the mother 1.14% and then abortions for rape or incest 0.39% so with only those exceptions the republicans could eliminate 98.47% of abortions that would save 29,545 lives a year that's a good loaf That's not where the Republicans are starting. That's not where they're starting their negotiations. And we know how politics work. Remember, Speaker Moore says he favors a heartbeat bill. That's about six weeks. If they could get it passed, it would save the lives of almost 26,000 children a year. But Senate President Phil Berger, he said he backs the first... Trimester limit on abortion. Earlier this year, Speaker Moore said that there was a lot of support for that position in the House, the 13 week position. Now, that ban, someone says, would save almost 4,800 babies a year. But would it? I don't believe that number is correct. And here's why. On January 11th of this year, the Pew Research Center published an article. The article is entitled, What the Data Says About Abortion in the U.S. And The article says that it's based on data from the Centers for Disease Control and the Guttmacher Institute, not conservative organizations, by the way. The Guttmacher Institute may still be, but at one point it was uh, an arm of Planned Parenthood. But anyway, they have, the CDC and the Guttmacher Institute, they have tracked these abortion statistics for decades. And here's what they found. In 2020, 93% of abortions occurred during the first trimester. 93%. That is at or before 13 weeks of gestation. 6 Percent occurred between 14 and 20 weeks. So if the Republican-controlled House and Senate pass a ban on abortion after 13 weeks, remember, that's Senator Berger's position. And, according to Speaker Moore, it's a position that has a lot of support in the House, And so passing a ban on abortion after 13 weeks will still permit 93% of the abortions in this state. It will only reduce the number of abortions by 6%. The number that are performed between the 14th and 20th week. So by my public school education math... A 13-week ban will not reduce the number of abortions by 4,800, but by 1,800. Now, folks, that may be a partial loaf of bread in the political world, but it is nothing more than crumbs for the unborn children of this state. And North Carolina will continue to be an abortion destination state. We we can't let our legislators play games with us on these numbers. We must not let them pass a bill that lowers the, the abortion threshold from 20 weeks to 13 weeks and then pat themselves on the back and try to tell us that they've done something great because they haven't. If that's all a veto-proof majority in the state Senate and being one vote shy of a veto-proof majority in the House can do, then we need new Republicans in Raleigh. We need to contact our legislators and tell them that our position is no abortions. And if they have to go for the exceptions for rape and incest, In life of the mother, we'll accept a reduction of 98.5% in the number of abortions. But that's where we have to start. It has to start there. Because if they start negotiating at six weeks, then you know what's going to happen. They're going to get negotiated to 13 weeks. We could support a heartbeat bill. But that is the minimum that we'll support. And we have to let them know that. Abortion is the Goliath in our land today. And whenever the Goliath of abortion appears, many, many churches and many legislators are just like all the men of Israel, when they saw the man Goliath come out, churches and legislators flee from abortion. And they flee because they're sore afraid. But you remember there was one man who wasn't afraid. And that was David. And you remember what David said to those who fled and were sore afraid? 1 Samuel 17 and verse 29. And David said... Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? That question comes right down to this present hour. Is there not a cause? God says there is. He says in Proverbs 31 verses 8 and 9 that the cause is for all such as are appointed to destruction. And that verse tells us that we're to open our mouths for the dumb. Those who cannot speak for themselves like unborn babies in the womb. God says that we're to open our mouths. We're to judge righteously and we're to plead the cause of the poor and needy. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? The verse that we read is our our text today. In Proverbs chapter 24, we need to think about the words of that verse. If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death, and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, Behold, we knew it not, we know it. We know it. So what is our excuse? Doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth not he know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works? Is there not a cause? There is a cause. The question is, are we willing to take it up? Are we willing to take it up? It's pretty well known that whatever abortion legislation comes out of the legislature... Governor Roy Cooper will veto it. And Return America is already planning a rally for people from all over this state to come, but don't know when it is because the bill hadn't even, we don't even know what the bill is, and it certainly hadn't been passed yet, but when it is and when Governor Cooper vetoes it, one of the ways that we can take up the calls is to be willing to take a day and go to Raleigh to stand and let these legislators know, steady their wings, give them a backbone, so that they'll vote to override His veto. Is there not a cause? Yes, there is a cause. We need to be willing to take it up. The Lord Jesus took up a cause. He took up a cause for you and I. You and I who are spiritually dumb. Romans 3 and verse 19 tells us that every mouth has been stopped. And all the world has become guilty before God. Every mouth has been stopped. We have nothing to say in our defense. We're dumb. The Lord Jesus took up our cause. We're guilty and dumb before God. And the Lord Jesus became guilty before God. Guilty. Because the Lord hath laid on Him the iniquity of us all. The Lord Jesus was dumb on our behalf. Isaiah 53, 7 says, He was oppressed and He was afflicted, yet He opened not His mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. You remember what the Lord told Peter in the garden at his arrest? He said, Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and He shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? Yet He opened not His mouth. The Lord Jesus took up the cause of those who are appointed to destruction. You and me. He pled the cause of the poor and needy. That's you and me. When though He was rich, yet for your sakes, our sakes, He became poor. That ye through His poverty might be rich. And because He took up our cause, we can have life. We can have life. John 5 and verse 24. The Lord Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life. You can pass from death unto life this morning. If you'll turn to the Lord Jesus Christ from your sins and trust him and Him alone to be your Savior. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity today to review what you, the giver of life, has to say on this subject of abortion. And Father, we pray that we would stand for you that we would be those who proclaim the message of this book and not be ashamed or afraid to proclaim it to our legislators. They need to hear it. They need to hear from us, every one of them, but especially the Republicans who have an opportunity to do something significant for the cause of life. Father, we pray that if there are any here today who are living in death, spiritually dead in trespasses and sins, that they would see that the Lord Jesus has taken up the cause of those who are appointed to destruction. He's taken up the cause of the dumb and the poor and the needy when He gave His life on the cross of Calvary that we might be saved. We thank you for that message. We pray that we would proclaim it faithfully till you come. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.